Recording for a change at the civilised hour and without the fuel of alcohol. Welcome this week to Pound of Pot. Gents, welcome to another week of Hand of Pod. It is the last Hand of Pod of this little bit of the year because the league is going on a break now. We have no football this coming weekend. Well, we do have football this coming weekend, but it's not Argentine domestic Primera División football. Um, I'm Sam Kelly, and I've moved house. We're not at that house at the moment. I'm now actually technically neighbours with Andres because we live in the same barrio now. Um, but for this recording, we have made the much shorter hop just across the border to Visha Crespo, to English Dan's living room. Dan. Hello and welcome. I thought you lived in Almagro, Sam. I do. But Andres lives in Cavachito. Almagro, Cavachito. Ah. I thought you were in Almagro. It's Almagro, but two blocks from the limit between the There we Okay, so we are Almagro, both of us. I'm north, he's south. Uh, and Andres is here as well. Hello. Yes, you have heard me. <laughs> Indeed. Um, we will begin this week with, oh, first of all, a note from our sponsors, who actually aren't providing any of our um, sponsored Fernet this week, but they remain our sponsors anyway. The Fruity Grand is conspicuous by its absence. Yes, so. yeah, we, we haven't had the Fruity Grand delivery that they promised us either. Uh, we are recording <laughs> today at um, yeah, lunchtime, pretty much. We're going to go for a late lunch after this recording. Um, so, hence the, the lack of Fernet. Um, but we are sponsored by the Argentina Independent. They are a fine source of English language news, cultural things, current affairs and whatnot from Argentina and across, indeed, the region of Latin America. You can read them for free on argentinaindependent.com. And now, without further ado, let's whip through the results from the Primera last weekend. Um, those were Gimnasia Prima La Plata 5, Unión de Santa Fe 2, a good way of getting the weekend off to a, a decent start. Um, Banfield nil, Sarmiento nil was slightly less exciting on Friday evening. And then Argentinos Juniors lost 2 0 at home to Quilmes. On Saturday, Colón 1, Huracán 1, Tempele 1, Lanús 1, San Lorenzo nil, Belgrano nil. That was it for Saturday's matches because there was some kind of weather event in. Um, either San Juan province or Misiones province which prevented San Martín's. Um, plane from leaving or landing for their match against Crucero del Norte which meant that that had to be postponed and was played at 11am on Sunday morning um, rather than the original kickoff time which I think was about 4pm on Saturday afternoon. Uh, that ended 3-1 to Crucero del Norte. Uh, also on Sunday, Rosario Central 1, Independiente 1, Atletico de Rafaela 2, Nueva Chicago 0, Racing Club 3, Vélez Sarsfield 1, Boca Juniors 4, yeah you heard that right, Newell's Old Boys 0, Godoy Cruz nil, Arsenal nil, and Olimpo one, River Plate one, and then on Monday two matches. Tigre in the. It, I saw on Tay say just before coming over here that it was um, controversial, but I couldn't <laughs> see the controversy personally. Um, in a two-one win over Alba CB with a, a late penalty, and defensively was DC nil, Estudiantes de la Plata one, a match in which Guido Carrillo scored the only goal in what is um, being claimed to be his last match for Estudiantes. 
Yeah, he's living on a high. He's been in very good form recently. Transfer Warwick. Warwick will be playing after June. I should probably have looked that up before we started recording, shouldn't I? We only know that he did, this was the last match, but because they, they, his agent might, might want to put him in a, in a, in a team in Europe, but mm. no, no team. Right. Up to now. <laughs> so he's, he's definitely going, we just don't know yeah. where yet. Let's uh, well, let the rumours and annoying speculation begin. Similar to Teo Tierra's situation, well, he, mm. anyway, that uh, he has been linked with Corinthians yeah. again. And Ariel Rojas as well, I yes, believe. Yes, I think his agent said, look, so uh, he told Gallardo, uh, look, I'm going. I don't know where I'm going yet, but the. The safest bet is I'm not going to play for you again. Seems to have been last match for a lot of players. Like, for example, the one we mentioned, the, the ones we mentioned, like Teutier Rojas for River, Osvaldo for, from Boca, Caleri. Mm. Well, there Osvaldo, are a lot it looks like they're going to try and, and keep him on board. I'm not sure how, but. Yes. A lot of question marks there. Yeah. The. Um one uh, advantage, I guess, that River might have in terms of holding on to their guys a bit longer is, of course, the Copa Libertadores. Mm. Um, Rodrigo Mora, for example, is, is being said to, to be talking again to a Quattari club, as he was doing at the end of last year, um, and decided to stay to play the Libertadores. And one of the advantages for River, if they do sell him to um, this unnamed, or at least by the Argentine press, Quattari club, um, would be that the said club would allow... River to keep him until their Libertadores campaign is over, which of course is um, quite a big boost for, for any Argentine side. Um, that's really the only thing that matters. But first of all, the matches, guys. How many did you each catch over the weekend? I saw um, a decent number on, on Sunday. On Saturday, you can imagine that there was a game which was a little bit more important for the, for the world football public. Yes. Um, Argentinos against Quilmes. Hmm. But... <laughs> But no, I saw on Sunday a decent number of games, and it was it was a good day of football actually. We had all the well, almost all the cinco grandes in in action, and in four games that were were pretty entertaining. Yeah, it was just as well because Saturdays weren't all that great. It was three matches, no. three draws. Uh, Belgrano's San Lorenzo Belgrano was was, was pretty decent, but Temple de Lanús. Well, it was a Southern derby. Two two goals in. Basically three minutes, yeah. and then nothing very much. <laughs> the rest but of there the was game. something, something particular. Colombia Rakan was yes, just awful. But in San Lorenzo Belgrano, there was something particular, which was another penalty saved by Torrico, mm-hmm. which meant, I think, if I didn't hear here wrongly, that he has saved all the penalties that weren't into the net uh, against San Lorenzo with him in the in the, in the, in the goal as a goalkeeper. That half of the penalties weren't scored. 20, 12 of 20, out of 24, I think. Wow. It's a big number. That is impressive. So the Valencia keeper, uh, nearly, was it Diego Lopez? Who saved um, about 50 penalties or something? Not bad. Haven't heard about that. No, when he saved uh, Ronaldo's penalty. Okay. In the um, Real Madrid game. Mm-hmm. He'd, I think he'd saved, yeah, he'd saved something like, oh, I can't even remember, but. I think around half of all the penalties he faced, which Lovely is stuff. very good game for a, for a keeper. On Sunday, as Dan says, there was some slightly better action. In fact, on Sunday, I think we had just one draw. Oh, no, we had two draws. Hmm. Uh, the two draws were Godoy Cruz nil, Arsenal nil, which was a fairly unremarkable match, and um, a very poor performance on Sunday night in the late match for River Plate. Uh, it was, well, 
at the beginning of the game it was the worst attack in the league at home to the best attack in the league um, and inevitably therefore Olympo took a 1-0 lead uh, and River needed a late very very well struck um, equaliser from Gonzalo Martinez to rescue a fairly poor performance and, and get a point for them um, but there were three three equalizers in that case Independiente Central was also on yeah. Sunday Friedrichs Oh, you're quite right, that was on Sunday. Bloody hell, yeah, we had some matches on Sunday so much, um, that, that I'd completely forgotten about the early one. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, let's stick with River first, because we just mentioned them. Um, they weren't very good, were they? They weren't very good at all, no. Uh, they kept the ball well, as we know they can. They, you know, about up to the halfway line, up to about three, three quarters of the, of the pitch, they were fine. But they just had no idea in getting into the box. Uh, credit to Olimpo as well they defended very very well uh, defended with men but also counted well they kept River on their toes and uh, you know obviously River had a lot more of the possession and a lot more shots but all the best chances fell to Olimpo all of the best chances and, and, and the other match the, the match the other day or the other night showed us that there is no uh, same level between the 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 uh, use, usual uh, uh, starting lineup players like Teo Gutierrez, mm. Mora, and Sanchez. Exactly. Uh, when you have to put the hand in the uh, youth players yeah. or non usual uh, starting lineup team. Exactly. Mm. I think Lucas Boschev, for one, he disappointed me again. Like, um, I haven't been impressed with what Lucas Boschev would be a much better winger than he is a striker. He's not a striker. You can say he's not a striker, his position's off. He's good with the ball yeah. at his feet, he's reasonably good at holding on to it and, and keeping opponents off the ball. Mm. He's good at point, uh, putting balls into the box, his passing is good. But he can't finish no, from no, Toffee. No. And I don't know why he keeps playing up front. No, um, it's strange. It's, it's bizarre. He's, a, he's clearly a decent footballer, but he's just, as you say, he's not a striker. Yeah. Um, it's very frustrating. But I want to say something about Olimpo as well and give them some credit. But at the same time, just wonder why. I mean, this is entirely subjective, but I can remember now a good few times in the last decade in which either River or Boca particularly have gone to Bahia Blanca, mm. you know, near the top of the league, one of the biggest clubs in the country, blah, 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 and Olimpo are doing poorly, and Olimpo have got a draw or a win, and on occasion it's been a pretty big win. I think they've beat River 4-0 or 4-1 or something, and, and Boca mm. had three or four put past them fairly recently as well in the last few years. Um, if Olimpo could play every match the way that they seem to play at home to River and Boca they'd be title challengers every campaign why didn't they only switch themselves off for those two matches no not just River and Boca I remember um, for Racing as well I think probably the last five times we've gone to Bahia Blanco it's ended in defeat or a draw it's a very very hard place to go I mean obviously if you're going to play if you're going to play in Bahia Blanca in winter at 9.30 at night you've got it's going to be absolutely bitterly cold. Yeah, apparently, it's only hard to go if you're one of the big five sides because Olympos so far this season, if you look at the home standings, yeah. they're fourth from bottom with okay six draws and one defeat. So it's not like they lose an awful lot at home. But that's it. There, it's not the kind of record you'd expect from a team as rubbish as they are. But yeah, you can see it there. They're impossible to beat at home. Nearly. I can't. I couldn't tell you the only team that's beaten, but I'll tell you in a second. It is your internet's good and fast, you know. Hmm? 
The only team to beat Olimpo in Bahia Blanca so far is Rosario Central. They got a three-one win in the fourth round. There you go. Of this well, championship. the best team in the in the first half of the the tape, the yeah. first half of the championship. Nearly. Well, the first quarter yeah, of the championship. The first, the first half of what's yeah. gone so the first far. First half of the first half. Yeah. Yeah. Looks like they, they are comfortable at blocking, battering the other team's uh, abilities and and then uh, trying to put a long ball. Uh, you we know that the the, the, the It's not an excuse for the other team because they know how the dimensions of, of the pitch are. But it looks like they they want they if they put a, they want to put a long ball into the box, the the, the rival's box is too easy because it's mm. yeah, their short dimensions. Short dimensions make Indeed. them. Are they? Yeah, it's a little. It's quite a small pitch. Was it not Gustavo who made the point last week that Olimpo have got the largest? Pitch <laughs> in, uh, like almost the, well, oh, sorry, about two meters shorter than Racing, which is the largest in the Primera. I don't know, but I, I, every time I, I watch a game in that in that stadium is like no, sorry, he said it about Crucero del Norte. Ah, I'm going to my, um, my not ah, very yeah. good teams with bizarrely strong home records mixed up. It's <laughs> easily <laughs> yeah. yeah. the, the bias continues. Yeah. We'll get on to Crucero del Norte a bit later, of course. <laughs> but it was a decent point for River, I guess. You know. After all, how the, well, how the goal came, yeah. It, it felt like, it, yeah. like a decent point after that performance and such a late equaliser. Yeah. Um, But I, I and, and for me, my opinion is uh, something I don't understand. That of course, if you want to uh, make a clean uh, play from the from the back and, and try to put the ball in a tidy way to the midfield and try to elaborate decent plays, of of course it's okay. But in that A kind of matches is not possible, and in one of the mistakes made by Van Hoenig came the goal from Olimpo, mm. trying to put the ball tightly, uh, 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 giving the ball away to, to to Olimpo, who take advantage took advantage of that mistake and, and finally scored by by Mancilla. Mm. Uh, so I, I think that same same case for Barovero, who we mentioned a lot of times that he his footwork is poor. Mm. And he showed it very, very frequently Sunday night. Indeed. Um, moving on from River, we may as well talk about their rivals, their eternal rivals, Boca Juniors, dun, dun, dun. who spectacularly rediscovered their form at home to a Newell's Old Boys team who, it must be said, have blown hot and cold. Mm, and mostly more cold than hot I'd say, let, yeah. let's say lukewarm and cold yeah. um, an awful lot already this championship but I don't think anybody would have predicted a 4-0 win mm -hmm. for Boca ahead of that match which would say they're now coachless Newells without a dollar yeah Americo Gachego um, stood down was it after that match or was it before no it before was, it was last, uh, last weekend um, another failure for, for Gachego If, if anybody's getting confused about why I'm even more uncertain about things than normal, it's because I haven't got internet access in my new flat yet, and as a result, I've not seen all of these matches. And I'm also rather behind in the news. Um, Daniel Diaz, with a, uh, what I hear was a very good free kick. Uh, Stunk free in. kick. Yeah. I missed the first, most of the first half. Of, uh, no, I didn't. I missed the first 20-ish minutes of the, that match. And then a very good performance from Boca in the second half. Sebastián Palacios, Jonathan Caleri, and Andrés Chávez with a penalty um, late on to seal the win. Boca was supposedly in crisis prior to that match and yet they are now second in the table a point behind the leaders because of course San Lorenzo were held by Belgrano um, on Saturday 
It's not a bad crisis to be in. No, but it was a crisis by the standards which we always talk about in Argentine football and, you know, talking about a team that went out of the Libertadores um, that had to play two games behind closed doors. The second one was with Newell's and they lost two games in a row in, in the league against fairly mediocre opposition. I don't think anyone could say Vélez or Aldo Civi are, uh, are among the best this year. Uh, so um, a loss or a draw against Newell's would have been would have been terrible. Uh, you go into the to the break with heads really down, then you got to wonder if the players are going to stay. You, you know, we we're talking a, a little earlier about uh, the exodus that could be happening from Boca if Osvaldo's going, Caleri's going. Sorry to interrupt you, but just while you've been talking on Twitter, Ooh. it started to come out that Lucas Bernardi has been announced as the new Newell's manager. It's not unexpected, but it has not. No, but no, yes, he has been previously announced as the one who had more major chances. To yeah, indeed. Now, now it appears to have been actually confirmed, though, from what the uh, the Twitter is saying popping up. Carry on, then. Sorry about Bocker. Yeah, so I think that game was absolutely vital to. To just at least get fans excited and you know calm a few nerves before the break, because going in with three three games without a win or three straight defeats is very hard when you when you have to go through the whole winter break and everything. So and even if they and to, to win in that start, scrape a one 0 yeah. win and not look particularly convincing, it wouldn't necessarily have been great. So exactly. against a side who, as we say, have not been at their best by any means so far this year, mm. but equally haven't become rubbish overnight in the same way as say better Southfield have um, it's not a bad result um, no it's key and then with Newell's we're going to we're going to see what Bernardi can bring I'm guessing but I, I must say that I, I had the not criticised but I was surprised about Milton Casco collab for, for the national team uh, and now I have to say that he was very very uh, necessary for Newell's defence mm-hmm. Yeah, the left side because the one who replaced him was awful, <laughs> and and the, well Maxi, Maxi Rodriguez was also absent because the suspension. Gabriel Baez was the youngster Baez. who replaced Casco at left back, and he didn't do a very good job. So uh, how two players make so big difference that the ones who who replace them replace them aren't at the same condition. Uh, Maxi Rodriguez, who had been sent off, sent off, as we said, because carrying a baby, and then, uh, well, hilarious sending off, <laughs> and and they were they were well positioned. That's that's strange. They were in a, the eighth position, I think, uh, having obtained a, a good result they, that would make them be five or six. Mm. Yeah, they're now ninth. Yes. Uh, um, only. Nine points off the lead. It's a very tight title race, as we shall detail fully after going through some of the rest of the the key teams uh, to complete our big five roundup. Now, then we need to look at Racing and Independiente and San Lorenzo. So, first of all, down your hair. You were not at the game on Sunday, were you? I wasn't. I was at work, and but on, I enjoyed it fully. I was in the Herald newsroom with with a workmate who's a Miller's diehard fan. So. Very enjoyable. Uh, no, it was a good. It was a good result from R- Racing. A very a bizarre, bizarre game. Like yeah, you could see, Vélez were determined to to throw away any chance they had of winning. Racing had two penalties awarded. Was it two penalties? Of which they only scored one. Yeah, Milito missed the first penalty with a very, very good save from Aguirre, who's 
uh, keeper to watch in the future, Alan Aguirre. And about three minutes later, um, uh, Gustavo Bo was taken down in the box. And Milito, in you know, one of those great gestures which makes him Milito, passed in the ball and Bo uh, buried it. Beautiful. I, I thought it wouldn't be kick. such a good performance <clears throat> since we knew the day before about mm -hmm. Brian Fernandez doping. Of course, yeah. Mm. Yes, Brian Fernandez was caught um, apparently after the River Plate match, which was a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, at least, more than that. Um, it was reported on Saturday that he had been um, caught being naughty <laughs> after that uh, with traces of not a, a banned performance-enhancing substance, it must be said, but a social um, <laughs> substance in his bloodstream. Following Maradona's uh, footsteps his, his by the sounds of it. Indeed. Uh, in his urine stream, as it were, um, and therefore is going to be banned for as much, possibly, as three months. Why they couldn't have done that right after it was discovered, I don't know. Maybe the test results take longer to come back here. Yeah. I'm sure there's a massive backlog in, in the labs and stuff doing all this. Victor Blanco's explanation was, was funny, was hilarious, because he said that he had talked with Brian Fernandez, who denied having smoked or, or having drunk something, but... Well, I, I share with friends and perhaps they put something in my drink, <laughs> something like that. The oldest excuse on the face of the planet. I think even Egyptians use that, like, mm. oh, this um, hallucinogenic root just fell into my, to my wine. I don't know how it happens, you know. Um, but it's interesting, you know, you're talking about the timing of this. this uh, the news of Fernandez's suspension broke three days after a after an AFA executive committee meeting, which was preceded by a meeting of certain uh, club presidents and directors in the Savoy Hotel. The Savoy Hotel is owned by Victor Blanco, the president of Racing. Uh -huh. And these are kind of um, some of the presidents in the AFA who are more progressive, let's say, in, in inverted commas, who want to change the uh, association, take away, you know, the the Steiner Grondona make it more transparent and Victor Blanco along with uh, La Mins the, um, and Tinelli the San Lorenzo pair have kind of been mooted let's say um, as possible reformers in the AFA Armando Pérez I think also Armando Pérez uh, from Megrano yes uh, so and this news comes just two days after or three days after Blanco has been kind of presented in some areas as kind of the white knight of the Afro and the guy who can who can change it. So what, what I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it there and let the conspiracy theorists uh, do the rest. Although it is worth mentioning that they haven't uh, protested particularly strongly about the ban, which suggests that the Afro have not just made this up. This, this positive result. No, I'm just saying but for uh, the timing. Indeed, yeah. the timing's curious. We've had to put Tinelli down out of that list of possible presidents or or, or people that will command the next Afro. Because Maradona talked the other day and he, he said that if he becomes to be vice president of FIFA, which is near to happen, uh, Tinelli will continue continue with his show at Bailando por un sueño for a long long time because he won't be uh, he will have the possibility to to uh, go to to the AFA and, right. and, and so uh, Tinelli we will have to see what happens with him.
Also, mm-hmm. Dinani is, um, as well as being vice president of San Lorenzo, is also a professional television misogynist, basically. Um, <laughs> that's about the best description I can come up with. Uh, but on to Racing's performance itself, apart from their two penalties, apart from the fact that Vélez managed to have two people sent off, not even for those penalty incidents, mm-hmm. um, it was fairly entertaining. Fausto Grisho, as well, who scored Vélez Sassfield's goal, was one of those people who got sent off. Yeah. Uh, so he had a very mixed evening. And, and Diego Melito did get his goal in the end. Beautiful, oh, lovely finish. Yeah. He really did make amends. Off the crossbar from a narrow angle after a Gustavo yeah. ball shot had been turned away by Vélez Sarsfield's goalkeeper, who is called Alain Aguirre. He's in quite good form because the, the play he did when he scored, mm. uh, like a, 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 I don't know how, cheating the, the goalkeeper the way he mm. did. It was some. You have to be in a good form, physical form, to do. Yeah. Hmm. Mm, so no, he's in good shape, Milito. He's played a few games on the run, especially at Racing. I believe that was the well, the fourth win in five games. Racing are unbeaten in the last fourteen games after losing in the first round to Central with a freak goal. I'm guessing yeah. you can say, but I'm guess- that would be probably cancelled out by the fact against River we could have lost. Um, but in the last four or five games, the differences really come with the return of Luciano Awe. You say you could have lost against River, but at the same time, that was the one game of the last five that Racing haven't won. And it's worth remembering that A, you were playing away, and B, it was a very mixed team for both sides. Yeah, but what I'm saying is we had the one defeat, which was probably undeserved against Central. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, we probably deserved to lose against River. So one okay. defeat is probably about, about fair. I see what you mean, yeah. yeah. So, no, as I was saying, uh, the difference in Racing over the last three or four games in all competitions has been uh, the return of Luciano Ove who's the midfielder who missed almost all the, the first ten games of the season and he's come back and just gives you another dimension in midfield he you know Racing has started passing the ball better and he has recently renewed his contract today yeah, yeah. Oh. and that's in a team which for me has got the, the best forward duo in the league I don't know if there's any How long is about that? a wedding at Racing have, have been called six years? 2012, I believe. 2011. 2011. Oh, I think he was. Lucas Castro. Oh. And more arguably, I'd say Racing has at least one of the best three or four central, central defence parents in Lolo and Cabral. A little more controversial, but if you look at the stats, how many goals Racing are let in and they're up there with the best. So that's been, you know, that's the foundation of the team. That's why they're extremely hard to beat. Racing is and quite literally up there with the best. They have the joint best defensive record in the first division. With San Lorenzo. With San Lorenzo, both eight goals in 15 matches. So pretty much one goal every yeah. other game is what they can say. So now with Oed, they've got a bit more penetration, a bit more creativity. So look out for Racing in, in the second half of the season. If Bowl doesn't go, and he said today that he's not going to be learning another language over, over his winter holidays. So, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Conta didn't, have, didn't give any names to the press, but he said he wants a lot of players to come for Racing because, well, he thinks there will be another one, another player leaving Racing, as happens with any team. He wants to set a forward because we've got Carlos Núñez, who's injury. out with a cruciate ligament injury, and Fernández, who's uh, up to his neck in snow, let's say. Yes. <laughs> um, we apologise for the background noise. You're going to have to get used to hearing this because I'm now living near Parque Centenario as well. Although um, today is a perfect day to record. Look at the street. It's deserted. Indeed, yeah. 
Of course, yeah, we normally record much later in the day when it's more packed. And not on a strike. There is a general <laughs> strike, which means that there are very few people on the roads full stop. It does, of course, make the ambulances and police sirens rather more noticeable. And there are four or five hospitals dotted around um, this big park that Dan and I live now on opposite sides of. Um, it's a lovely park. I recommend it to anyone going to visit Buenos Aires. Absolutely. Spend an afternoon in Parque Sinera. If you just do the touristy stuff, you're not likely to see it, but um, it is nice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving back to football, Independiente got a 1-1 draw away to Rosario Central. Did either of you watch it? Because I didn't. I did, so, yes. Good. Dan, they were good. rather fortunate to get, a, to get a draw, I think, is the best way to say it. Were they, or is that you just being a racing fan? No, Central took them to pieces, like, but, uh, again, Diego Rodriguez, the independent keeper, came to the rescue. He's a very, very good keeper. Um, but it's a, it's a decent point for Independiente. Definitely two points lost for Central. Mm-hmm. Central, of course. Uh, Sam's going to look at the statistics now to see if my, my yeah, horribly um, biased opinion is backed up with any facts. I, I, in fact, was, yes. Uh, but Central, <laughs> just before I do, are, are therefore, they, they've dropped... Um, lost some ground in the title race they're still only four behind San Lorenzo mm-hmm. um, but yeah it, as Dan says it will go down as two points dropped for Central rather than one gained and, and this it was draw one, one one draw number four or five a lot of one one draws mm. I think Central, that's all there Central yeah. have won seven drawn seven and, and having started yeah. the match losing it so I think it was big number yeah it was a nice goal as well Central. Central's record so far from round one to round 15, I'll just read out the, the results, um, with Central score first and the other team score second, regardless <laughs> of home or away, goes 1-0, 2-1, 1-0, 3-1, 1-0. So that's start off with five straight wins. And then 1-1, one, 1-1, 3-3, 2-1, 1-1, 1-1, 2-0, 1-1, 0-2. That was against River last week, of course. And 1-1 against Independiente. So that is, as Andres says a hell of a lot of one-all draws and even more draws overall uh, because that 3-3 the defence was this year two wins in the last ten games after winning the first five in a row yeah. um, but you can say they've played already three or, or four of the grandes obviously they well of course they beat Racing yeah. in the very first round um, the other ones I mean the, the 2-1 win against Tigre now that we've seen what Tigre's form mm-hmm. has been like since turns out to be an impressive result as well in the opening two matches and they had three easy ones well Easy away to Crucero del Norte is not as easy as at home to Crucero del Norte, but um, you know three three wins against basically quite bad. And the only team to beat Olimpo away from home. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, of course. We as we were talking, um, swing it all back. But since then they have let's see, I mean draws against Atlético, Rafaela, Colón, Defensa Justicia, Estudiantes. Okay, um, draw against Huracan, draw against Lanús, who aren't that good at the moment, and against Independiente. They've only beaten San Martín de San Juan at home and maybe Chicago away mm-hmm. um, so it has been a bit of a drop off well, I think the football has remained yeah. pretty decent I would say but the results have certainly fallen yes. off a bit for them the problem with Central is they have a, a similar issue that uh, Independiente have they've obviously got a few better results but they're very dependent on um, on Serbia and Ruben mm. to get them kicking and yes, score goals like Independiente are very dependent on Mancuesho or Bertengo but I think all that game Serbia Big responsibility. He's a good player. He's decent. But uh, I think that he was like, come on, uh, you have the, n- the t- number 10 t-shirt and yeah. you have to play. And <laughs> yes, it's well. He, he might show some 
up and downs in the game. Mm-hmm. No, nah, yeah, he's twenty years old. Like he's gonna, he's gonna keep going. You believe me now? I do. Yeah, now we've <laughs> seen the statistics, and it is very much a story of Rosario Central dominance. Do Independiente currently have a manager, gentlemen? Uh, yes. On Wednesday, Pellegrino's gonna sign, I believe. Uh, the ex Estudiantes coach is gonna go to Independiente so yes. still not for a year's contract yet, but, um, not quite yet well there's no rush now that they're going into no. the, to the recess precisely although well is there or isn't there because apparently Boca are only taking a week off their players from training and they will, well, they'll be back to, so they, they're getting a short break yeah um, I think the Racing have got training, two weeks they go back on the 19th so yeah not the, the, not there a were holiday, but. lot of sayings about Pellegrino uh, arriving Independiente because the Apparently he's not of the style of the club and, mm. and it was like a contradiction Milito being at Estudiantes and uh, Gabriel Milito at Estudiantes and Pellegrino at Independiente. And Bocini has been saying that uh, the club with this kind of... Well, Pablo Moyano, a, a board, my, board uh, member, the, uh, um, a board member, sorry, uh, said that the black... How do you say Paladar Negro. Uh, uh, bad taste. But yeah, that yeah. taste was like uh, has gone 30 years ago, right. more or less, and doesn't care about the, the style, but just the results. And yeah. Bocini answered that, saying that uh, by uh, saying things like that, Independiente went to the uh, went to the bay. Relegated. Well, yeah. So <laughs> it was a lot of controversy <laughs> there. Yeah, Bocini's been pretty vocal this year. Yes. He's been he spoke out against Amidon and then he criticized him for sacking Amidon, I think. He's he's definitely yes. been there. But I don't think Milito would even would even have gone back, I say. If he hadn't taken he, the he was the reserva Yeah, and he left because he yeah. had a problem with Moshana. I don't think he would have gone back to Independiente, even if he hadn't taken the Estudiantes job. So it's it's tricky for Independiente like. Uh, I don't think I think the problems go you got a lot higher than than on the pitch. Definitely, this uh, this new presidency is is not really working out. As it's true that there isn't a line. Well, who would have predicted that the new presidency wouldn't have worked out? No, the people are bizarre, right? You know, such such upright, upright characters. In, you know? Independiente fans, members. Sorry, we should say basically leaving their morals by the wayside to vote out the guy who they voted in with a specific yeah. remit to get rid of the Barra simply because, okay, he made some bad footballing decisions, but he was pissing the Barra off, which is what they wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. And as a way of reacting against that, they vote the Barra directly in, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Moshano, I to me himself, is not Barra, but he was very, he's very obviously the puppet of, of Big Baby, um, the, the Barra capo. Um, so, yeah, I, I have friends who support Independiente, but I don't particularly feel any sympathy. At least for those of them who are members and who were swearing at Comparada. Uh, Comparada? Cantero. Cantero, thank you. I, I, I do that all the time. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's well, what I have to say. You read what you say. They're down in mid table, well, which of course in this league means 15th. Independiente is, sorry, Independiente is like, like it is right now because of their presence also. And you have Comparada because you, you mm-hmm. mentioned him by mistake, but he was. Uh, it was previous. an awful, yeah. mm-hmm. awful, awful president. Com- uh, then Cantero, who was the president in, with whom with Independiente were relegated, though he wanted to fight against Barras and he couldn't. And before Comparada, Ducat and Sailor, another mm-hmm. awful president, who admitted in, a, in an interview a lot of, or some years ago, that he 
bought with money. He, the, 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 the tournament they win with him as a president. 2002, yes. Apertura, I think. Yes. He, he uh, admitted having pay, paid for fixing, I know, fixing matches or something like that. So. Yeah. And now with uh, Mancuello almost saying to leave, I think, it's not going to get any easier for, for Independiente. We shall see. Um, there's one more of the big five that we haven't talked about in detail yet and that is San Lorenzo they drew nil nil at home to Belgrano as we have already mentioned that was a result that simultaneously guaranteed on uh, the first match they played no sorry it was the, the second match they, the last match played on Saturday but it was before any of the other title challenges played at the weekend guaranteed that they would end the weekend on top of the table still but also gave the, op- uh, the opportunity to other sides particularly to Boca and River to close the gap on them uh, by winning Boca and River of course were joint second at the start of the, the weekend and now Boca are second one point behind San Lorenzo but what did we think of San Lorenzo against Belgrano? I didn't see it but and again another very solid performance by San Lorenzo right? They haven't been they haven't really turned many heads this year or put in any particularly sparkling performances but they just keep grinding out results and against one of the other title challenges it should be said because Belgrano had they managed a win in that match would have been up to 29 points themselves yeah. and therefore would have been um, well fifth on goal difference behind River as it, as it is um, yeah Belgrano dropped off a little bit in the last few weeks but they've been one of the form teams this year definitely yeah. and, and they have a good setup, particularly for playing away from home they're very fast on the counter attack I just look like a decent side the usual was the usual kind of match they have been playing with strong defence and we, when they have the opportunity to play they do it it's not that they are like uh, for example an Olimpo uh, style that they are only devoted to, to blocking and bothering the, the other team but when they want they, they, they are, have the possibility they try to play in the opponent opponent side, and they had a penalty, as I said, side by by Torrico. So they had they could have they, they, they had the possibility even to win that match. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, other noteworthy results over the weekend, obviously Gimnasia five, Union two in the very first match. I think um, Gimnasia now eight games without defeat. Something like yeah, that. That sounds right. And those were the first goals that they've conceded in five matches. Yeah. I'm happy for Trollio. He's a he's a coach who got a lot of time for, him. and you can see um, the Gymnasia fans have got a lot of time for him. Some of the some of the goals were lovely as well, and we also had this weekend the two fastest goals in the championship so far. Really? Because in that match between Gymnasia and Union, Ignacio Fernandez opened the scoring after 17 seconds, Ooh. and in Crucero del Norte's 3-1 win over San Martin, um, Gaston is it Avalos opened the scoring after 15 seconds. Um, where is he? Gabriel Avalas. Gabriel Avalas, thank you. Um, Opened the scoring after 15 seconds. Those are the two fastest goals of the championship so go. far. Um, Crucero del Norte, after what we said last week, them not being very good, relying on the pitch uh, home, have got another <laughs> win against, you know, a not particularly good side, <laughs> uh, particularly away from home, San Martin. Um, but it's a home win so again they, 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 they got the, the, all of their points home condition 13 points and emotions precisely yeah. um, and there was a beautiful goal in another game on Sunday we should mention a beautiful goal for the mm-hmm. Greco-Roman wrestler who's that though? Adrian Bastia 
Sebastián Bataglia retirement uh, ah, testimonio. Yes. There we go. So there's a couple of games in July to, to be watching out for, apart from the tournament we're probably going to be talking about now. Yeah, possibly. Homage. Not yeah, quite as much as those ones, but uh, there was there was almost one in June, by the way, but it has been postponed. Today? This evening. Uh, this evening in Cordova, uh, God, which is Cordova, yeah. Um, River and Boca were due to play a friendly. Uh, they play friendlies all the time, of course, so that in itself is not unusual, although to new listeners it might sound it. Uh, but of course it was going to be a bit of a flashpoint, potentially, mm. because of what happened the last time Boca and River met in the Copa Libertadores. Uh, I'm sure you've all heard about that. Uh, it's been called off, anyway, because of this general strike today, um, and has been rescheduled for the 10th or 9th of October or something, I think, which is back in the middle of league action, so I don't know why they've done that. Because anyway. they got the contract and they can't get out of it, basically. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we shall see. And the other match that I already hinted at the controversial nature of, I just wanted to cover now because I saw the highlights right before coming out to record, was last night, or yesterday evening rather, a Tigre 2-1 win over Aldo Sidi, um, with Jose Sanz scoring against one of his former clubs for Aldo Sidi. Um, and Carlos Luna, so two former River players in fact, scoring all the goals. Former Racing players as well. Sanja yes. has yeah, yeah. a lot of former clubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much all the league. Indeed. Um, Luna scored, opened the scoring after 34 minutes, Sand equalised after 50 minutes, and then six minutes into stoppage time, um, well, four minutes into stoppage time, Team River awarded a penalty uh, for handball in the box. Aldo Civic's players went absolutely berserk. One of them got sent off for insulting the ref and almost, I think, accidentally, but sort of coming very close to headbutting the ref uh, in his fervour to insult the referee and tell him he'd done the wrong thing. The replays, as far as I was concerned, on my nice new HD television, mm-hmm. showed fairly clearly two handballs. Admittedly, the second of them was because the first guy slapped the ball down onto his teammate's hand. Um, but I couldn't quite work out what they were getting so angry about. It was a fairly... I don't think the referee did the, the, the penalty. Those are the difference between Europe and South America. Europe, you... Oh, I don't think you could say that in Europe that wouldn't have been... No, but they... They... Uh, they... Uh, they uh, con- Say congratulations to the winner, and the winner uh, are happy with the losers. And here you ha- you consider penalty and, and insult the referee. Of <laughs> course, you you are angry because it's the last minute of the match, and and and, and that the, that determines uh, losing the losing that match. But uh, it's quite different the reactions I, there and here. here I, and I think that there's an element of the grass always being greener there, and yes. Europeans aren't. Uh, I don't know if you guys well, saw it. That's as you think. But interestingly, the player sent off for insulting the ref was another former Racing player, Gaston Diaz. 
It's for the racing, isn't it? No, no. You know the same that? same name, but no. Same name as a car. Yes, it's there. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> That's embarrassing. He scored a goal against Racing last week. But That's in, the racing in fairness to Aldo Civi's Gaston Diaz, he did come out after the match and apologise. He's an ex-team player. That's one. Ah, yes, right. That's now because I thought the one at Racing was the former Tigre player. No, hence he's a right, former Gimnasia player in Racing. This never stopped being confusing. But anyway, Aldo Civi and former Tigre. Uh, defending Gaston Diaz did come out after the match and say to the referee I'm, I'm sorry uh, said it publicly on television as well I want to apologise to him because mm. uh, it was a moment of losing my temper and, and uh, now that I've seen everything back again mm. you know I, I want to apologise so well done him at least yeah. for, for owning up to his mistake um, it's an interesting thing about the refs I don't know if you guys saw uh, you guys watch uh, Football Permitido which is a wonderful show it's just for the just for the opening sequence really. the opening sequence I always the analysis is the analysis is yeah, more or less, but it was a great one with a referee. I can't remember who the referee was, but he kind of he's become known for because it's kind of like a hidden camera program. They show like the the backstage, let's say, of the of the games, and they showed a brilliant pep talk. It's like saying, "Look, we're here. You're the one that matters. You're the one that matters. Like first, second, third, fourth, it's us. No one likes us. We don't care. We just got to do our jobs and not listen to anyone." And like they all and the four referees go out go out on the pitch, and it was brilliant because that basically sums it up. Like it's them against the world, you know, and that's that's the mentality I think the refs have to yeah. to deal with. Absolutely. Um, what all of these results do to the title race are uh, that, as we already mentioned, and um, I've kind of said everybody's points totals already now, but we'll run through them all at once so that you have a clear idea. San Lorenzo after 15 matches have 32 points. Boca Juniors after 15 matches have 31 points. Racing Club after 15 matches have 30 points. River after 14 matches have 29 points. Central after 15 have 28. Belgrano after 15 have 27. And I'm going to extend the title race just down one position further because uh, River's game in hand is, of course, away to Tigre. So therefore, Tigre also have a game in hand and on 25. So um, basically, the game in hand, if River win it, then they go. Well, we don't know when it's going to be played, so they wouldn't exactly. But at the moment, if it was played tomorrow and River won it, they would go joint top with San Lorenzo. And if it was played tomorrow and Tigre won it, Tigre would go up to 28 points, which would be joined fifth with Central and only four points behind the leaders. We don't know when that, when that match will... It's play, still not. Right? It's not been rescheduled yet. It's going to, I think, partly depend on um, how long River's Libertadores campaign carries on. Because well. we already know when the uh, Champions League final of 2016 will be played, and we don't know when a Tigre River match that had, will have been played should have been played before and was suspended because of the death of a player. When will it be played? But well, it's another difference between one continent and the other. In that one, I will, um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the benefits of what you're saying. Yeah, uh, that, that one is slightly more justifiable, let's say. Down at the bottom of the table, in the championship table at least, we have Nova Chicago on six points and still the only side now without a win. Arsenal and SRMD have eight. And then a couple of teams, uh, Defensive Justicia and Olimpo on 11. But more importantly, the relegation table, which we can start to look at now because we've got half yeah, of this championship gone. We've only got 15 matches left in this uh, relegation table, which of course is done by taking a team's last three, although this year it's three and a half seasons in the current division, and dividing the number of points won by the number of matches played in that time. That's about the most succinct explanation that I can come up with. Um, to get an average of points per game. Nuevo Chicago are currently bottom of it. Six points from 15 matches gives them 0.4 points per game. Huracan are the other team in the relegation zone. 
Um, although they're currently tied, actually, on point eight six seven points per match uh, with Crucero del Norte. So as it stands at the moment, those two teams would have to play a tiebreaker to decide who went down. Just above them, defensively, was DCA 31 points from 34 games. Um, and then Olimpo, Quilmes, Tempele, Colón, maybe stretching up to Atletico de Rafaela before we get into the... the um, the, the established teams, let's say, who are part of the relegation battle, I think I'd include Atletico in that. But of course, also the newly promoted side, Samiento, Banfield, San Martín, have all come up fairly recently and therefore could drop down there if they start losing a few games in rapid succession. Just looking at that list, it's fantastic the consistency of Racing. You got in 2012 13, 61 points they got. Yeah. In 2013 14, 33. And now from 14 15, you know, it's separated, but 71. Yes, yeah, yeah. lovely bit, uh, you know, consistency through the years. Seventy-one, that's really good. You're very happy with that, aren't yeah, you? I am. River Plate already up to the thirty-point mark for the for the short season. You know, with four games to go. Yeah, if because the of the short season carried on. Torneo final, twenty fourteen was the yeah. the game around that is. Uh, I'm saying it's almost a shame that we're not carrying on with the, the short seasons because it would be a fantastic battle over the next four games. If we actually had a short season and it went up to 19. Well, it could we be a fantastic it. battle over the next 15 games. Yeah, maybe. but it's really long. Like, I don't have the patience. <laughs> Independiente, by the way, having talked about their problems earlier, are actually relatively comfortable in the relegation table. They're in sixth. Um, of course, they've only got the last half championship, yeah. the transitional championship. And, and well, they came fourth last year. They can't. They shouldn't them. really be thinking about no, relegation. And, and, and that's the point for the benefit of new listeners. Um, that a very good transitional championship means that they can actually afford to do pretty poorly um, this season and they'll be okay, particularly as they've got some absolutely awful sides below them uh, in the championship table, in which of course they're 15th. Anyway, we're going to play some music now. Um, When we come back, we will talk a little bit about the national team uh, ahead of the Copa America because this, as well as being uh, a review show of the last weekend, is now also going to turn into the Copa America preview special so don't go anywhere America is almost upon us. You'll be listening to this if you're one of the early birds on Wednesday, and it kicks off on Thursday when Chile, the hosts, um, play Ecuador. Long-term Hand of Pod listeners might remember that before the last Copa America, which was Hand of Pods first, um, we did a series of Meet the Opponents style um, mini episodes with experts from other countries. We haven't done that this year because basically I've been desperately straddling around to find a flat for the last uh, two or three months and didn't have time to sort anything out. I have, as I mentioned already, now found a flat, so it's a shame that didn't happen a couple of months earlier. Yeah, we're all a little busier and a little <laughs> a little more... Com- and a little more cynical. A few, um, got a few more commitments than in 2011, unfortunately. So if you want to have the Podcop America preview, then congratulations, this is it, I'm afraid. Um, here we go. The groups... First of all, we might as well run through what the draw is. Um, Group A is the hosts, Chile, and then Mexico, Ecuador, and Bolivia. Group B is... Mexico under 23s, 
uh, second string Mexico team because yes, the, non-South American the big ones sides. are going to the CONCACAF Gold Cup. The non-South American sides, of course, don't have this as an official set of FIFA dates and therefore um, clubs are not obligated, obliged to, um, to release players for them. Um, so No, all the big CONCACAF names like Chicharito... Uh, Dos Santos and those guys are going to the Gold Cup. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Because that's so it's not a case of not releasing the players, it's releasing them for a different tournament. Yeah, because yeah. that's the FIFA day. Exactly. Um, group B is a spicy one and it's the one that contains God, Argentina, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay and Jamaica. And Group C, Brazil, Colombia, Peru and Venezuela. Now, South American sides did fairly well at last year's World Cup. Obviously, one of those South American sides did significantly better than the others um, and so the main question to ask is do Argentina begin as favourites having reached the World Cup final last year having not lost a semi-final 7-1 without a doubt yeah they got to be considered favourites I think um, the only big question for Argentina is that out of all the teams they've been most affected by this ridiculous uh, late Champions League final and already start for the Copa America whichever um, you prefer which means that Messi, for example, only joined the the Argentina group and Machirano as well today. Yeah, Carlos Tevez and Roberto Pereira um, of Juventus both joined it. Uh, yesterday. Or they both landed, sorry, yesterday in Chile yep. and started training today, um, um, being Tuesday. And Messi and Machirano have now arrived in Chile mm. this morning, apparently, and will mm. begin training with the sides uh, on Wednesday. Um, I'm now trying to look up Champions League final dates in the last few seasons. It's always been the 30th because, of May. Yeah, I, I think yeah. this tends to be late May. And this, I mean, first of all, the decision to move the final to Saturday just is rubbish and it's not one that I agree <laughs> with. Um, but yeah, I would say that it tends to be around the 30th of May. I'd, I'd agree with you. That's like a week earlier. Um, anyway, other sides, because there are... 11 other teams and we may as well mention now if you're new to the Copa America um, and with the increasing smallness of, of world football and the increasing number of streams and, and of uh, uh, broadcasters willing to show football from other countries there's every chance that you are new to the Copa America the format there are of course only 10 Connebol, uh nations which is why Jamaica and Mexico are involved they, they invite two others and inevitably the first two that they invite tend to turn them down so they end up inviting Mexico and then somebody else um, who say yes in this case the, the somebody else is Jamaica and the format goes that uh, you have to have quarterfinals basically so from 12 matches uh, 12 teams sorry in three groups of four the teams who qualify for the next round are the first and second in each group and then the two best third place teams which if you're good at maths you will already have worked out means that the group stage are going to see four teams eliminated it also means it's very, very difficult to get kicked out in the first in the group stage. Particularly if you're Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, Brazil, Colombia. Yeah. Let's say I think we can yeah. safely say that all of Jamaica those and Bolivia. Teams. I think there will be for sure the ones two of the of those of those four four teams will be. Yeah, will I be think out. that's fair okay, to say. So in that case, the the easy question to ask is any any guesses about the other two? Maybe I'm thinking Peru and Mexico. We, yeah, because of the players, they because will, of the fact, because of the fact it's a second a second string Mexico team. Yeah, I mean, it would be tempting to say Peru and Venezuela, but then they're both in the same group. Yeah. And Venezuela at the last Copa America did very well. Can they keep they that progression on? Mm, they haven't progressed as well as they might have liked since the last Copa America. Uh, they had a fairly no, they were pretty good in the in the qualifying, but then they lost uh, Farias, the coach who 
it was very important to to their style and and the development of Venezuelan football. And since then, they've sort of stood still. I know Arango is not getting any younger, and a few of those those key players, Rondon, is there or thereabouts. But uh, it's going to be difficult for Venezuela. They got they got a tough group there. It's not the group they would uh, they would have liked. In the um, uh, I'm actually just bringing up the the timeline of, of the last World Cup qualifying mm-hmm. campaign for for Brazil 2014. Uh, if I remember rightly, Venezuela were in with a chance of qualifying until, until the last three games, yeah. yeah, and they ended up finishing five points behind Uruguay because they lost to Uruguay in the last second last match. Though. Is that yeah. right? That's that was a key game. Yeah. Yes. How many bloody matches are there? Eighteen. Let's see. No, Uruguay lost one 0 away to Venezuela. Drew one one. Yeah, that was a game they needed to win. That was the match that they that knocked them out after yeah. Um, having yeah been Peru three two, mm-hmm. and then oh had to sit out with so yeah, then they yeah. they were done. That's right. Um, so it would be nice to see Venezuela keep that momentum going through. Indeed, uh, but we're not going to hold our breath for it. Particularly the main challenges we were saying during the break um, are going to be what Argentina, Chile. Colombia and Brazil. You'd have to say Brazil. Brazil, since the World Cup, have won nine matches out of nine, mm-hmm. scoring 20 goals and conceding two under Dunga. Uh, perhaps not playing the most attractive football, again, <laughs> under Dunga. Um, and uh, the, the 7-1 in the semi-final last year is, is a stain that's going to remain, as indeed is the, the quarter-final exit last year. Uh, last time out, yeah, America. to Paraguay, to, to Paraguay penalties, a matchup which I was present, involving some of the most hilarious penalties ever taken. Oh God, they were awful, weren't they? Um, yeah, I nearly fell off my chair laughing when Elano <laughs> missed his minutes after being take, brought on right at the very end of extra time, specifically to take the first penalty and then skied over the crossbar. I was surrounded by four Brazilian journalists in the press box and realised quite quickly that I perhaps shouldn't have laughed quite as loudly as I did. Um, but anyway, it was entertaining. Was this uh, was that the game where you were identified as David Bowie on Brazilian TV? No, that was the very first match, if I remember rightly. Um, I think anyway, because you were there. I was. I remember. Um, you were next to me on, on the television clip. Fantastic. Um, if can we get that it, clip? Can we find that clip to put it up? Uh, I very much doubt we can because I, I tweeted it at the time and it was four years ago so I doubt I can go back that far through my mm. Twitter. I mean, I've not got time to because I've made an awful lot of tweets. You, you can download your history. Your history. Yeah. I know. But if you search Bowie four years ago... 80,681 tweets I've made. Oof. So if anybody else wants to search my Twitter history, please feel free that I can't be bothered. Seems like a job for Ozzy Dan, really. I think he'd, he'd like to get his teeth stuck into that. Indeed. But no, I think if you're listening, Aussie Dan, please yeah. feel free. But anyway, the um, really interesting thing about Brazil is that they're going to the Copa America with just three forwards. We should have a look at the squad, shouldn't we? Neymar, Tardelli, and oh, Christ, who's the other one? And another one who escapes me for now. Now, how do you get the Brazil squad up on this? I'm on the Brazil page. No, no hulk expecting yeah. to find hmm? the squad. No hulk there. No, hope's not there. But yeah, just three strikers, so they're going to be leaning fairly, well, fairly harder than they might. They have a, a serious lack of strikers, and they have better, <laughs> better defenders than strikers right now, which is strange. And uh, Robinho, that's Probably they're no, the yeah. three. So in fact, the back of Robinho. Basically, Neymar's the only decent striker that they made. Neymar's the only decent striker. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can expect Tardelli to uh, to kind of take the centre forward spot, and then Neymar and 
and Robinho are going to be playing off him. Mm. You know, well, sort of Barcelona style, but a lot more defensive. There is something that, that explains partially the, the, the poor level that Brazil is showing right now, which is that when River defeat Cruzeiro in the uh, quarterfinals, second leg, mm-hmm. at, at uh, Belo Horizonte, Yes, uh, Niembro, who is not, uh, for me, a good journalist, but he said something interesting, which is that he had interviewed Rolando Schiavi, because he had played at Gremio Porto Alegre, uh-huh. and he, when he interviewed him, Schiavi said that there was something that surprised him a lot from Brazil, which was that they had a lot of uh, physical work at the gym, and very few, very little uh, working with the ball. Yeah. Uh, so Niembro's about 15 years behind on everybody else who pays attention to Brazilian football. <laughs> knew that. Um, but there we are. But that explains a bit the, well, why Brazil has better defenders than strikers yeah. right now. No, complete. And number 10s as well. Like, yes. There's no, no number 10s in Brazilian football anymore. All the best number 10s have, for the last 10 years at least have uh, been Argentines, Montillo, Montillo, D'Alessandro, Conca, yes. um, all Argentines. Yes. The fixture list for this Copa is rather confusing, um, <laughs> but I think, if I'm reading it correctly, let's see, A1, let's see, A, B1, C2, where is C1, right, so that's quarter-final, three and four, isn't it, then we have, oh, that's interesting. What's that? If Brazil and Argentina both win their groups, they mm-hmm. will meet in the semi-final. Mm-hmm. Normally, they're kept apart until the final. Um, if I'm reading this correctly, as I said, because they're not just presenting it like a tree, because, you know, why would you do that? It's <laughs> sensible. Um, welcome to South America. Um, which, which adds a little bit of interest into this, but generally speaking, Argentina have a fairly recent um, record in Copas America, not so much the last one in which all of the big sides... Uh, Uruguay apart who actually ended up winning it um, were, were relatively disappointing um, but Argentina have got history in the last couple of Copas America prior to that of being the best side at the tournament and then losing to Brazil in the final mm-hmm. um, it happened in 2007 they lost 3-0 to Brazil and in 2004 which was the one before that they were 2-1 up going into stoppage time conceded an equaliser almost with the last touch and then lost the penalty shootout um, so in a match that is for the trophy or meaningfully you know in, in the semi-final as opposed to a friendly history would back Brazil if, if Brazil and Argentina meet is there going to be any kind of nerves Andres you're Argentine you're, you're, you're the fan give us an idea are you nervous about meeting Brazil in spite of the fact that not particularly right now because history tells you that yes mm-hmm. in the, in the uh, la, fine, the matches that define the the, the, the final or, or or something like that they are at the very last minutes, they have something different. They had something something different that made made them uh, finally out uh, uh, outcome Argentina and and the. But right now, I think that their possibilities are much different. And if they had to face at this very moment uh, Brazil in the final, hypothetical final, Argentina would have no problem to 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 defeat them. Uh, uh, of course. I think 2004 was Bielsa, the coach, and 2007 uh, was Peckerman. Or Basile, no. No, Peckerman wasn't because he stepped down after the 2006 Basile. 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 Um, but I think that right now is very, very different. Uh, 
of course history is, is something you have to to watch and, and to be careful but uh, I don't think right now it's Brazil won the last meeting of course in, yes. in a friendly last uh, September October, October yeah. uh, in, um, in what was in fact the unofficial world championship because Argentina of course won that back off the, Germany and the previous the previous and one Brazil won 2 nil, if I remember rightly two goals the, from Tadej the previous one was the the, the friendly uh, uh, near to the World Cup that Argentina defeated 4-3 for three, for three, with Messi in New Jersey yeah, with yes. Messi yeah. scoring a hat trick that was the previous friendly and this was the last one right yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, excluding the uh, Superclasio uh, de las Americas that uh, were played with, uh, with local players yeah but without a proper national team Indeed. but no, no, no nervous at, at all this oh. time okay and other contenders we're thinking what Chile's hosts Colombia need to be done what is Uruguay of course are the holders Uruguay the holders Uruguay they've always got a chance Uruguay are never going to be easy to beat um, you know without Suarez without Forlan it's, it's going to be a different team to what we saw in 2011 although perhaps not as different as they'd like because they do have an awfully old team it was old in 2011 well, so a couple of I can't imagine Nicolas Lodeiro of course of now of Boca Juniors yeah. was expected to be one of those exceptions and he's injured right um, so it's going to be a interesting title defence from Uruguay given that Paraguay have, have fallen off somewhat lately and also given that the best third, the two best third place teams are mm-hmm. three third place teams get through yeah I think it would be a major shock if both Argentina and Uruguay weren't in the group stages uh, oh, in, yeah, in the knockout stages it would be a huge shock if they weren't both in the group stages yeah. um, but in the knockout stages yeah I think the problem for Uruguay really has been um, kind of the players who are expected to come through and, and replace you know the generation of 2010-2011 haven't really. Um, this all started with the 2012 Olympics, which was a fiasco for for the Celeste. Uh Gaston Ramirez, you know, who was earmarked as uh, Diego Forlan's long-term successor, and basically it just never quite happened for him. He was excellent in Italy, and then his career just completely stalled as soon as he went to the, to the Premier. And yeah, it's hard to see where the real inspiration is going to come for for Uruguay. I know um, De Arraqueta played very well the other day. I think he scored against, I can't remember who, in a, in a friendly. was disappointing at the, at the Copa Libertadores playing for Cruzeiro, but then, mm. well... He was very good in last year's playing for Defensor Sporting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, you look at the strikers, um, it's a funny Roland, who's yeah, not bad. The other thing is, just looking at the ages of Uruguay's players now, they've got... One, two, three, four, four players in their mid twenties, and the mm. others are all either small children, you know, sort of <laughs> twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, or thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two, thirty-three years old. I think at least I know with Jimenez and Godin at the back, no one's gonna put many goals past them. That's mm. a very strong set of yes. partnership, and of course they know each other. Goal. And was Leno in goal, of course. That's gonna be a tough. A tough shot. Not no, the defence again is, is strong with Pereira as well um, and the uh, other Pereira. Arevalo Rios. <laughs> Arevalo Rios, yeah. He's uh, t- for Tigres playing Copa yeah. I think a lot of nil-nils and one-nils are going to be coming from Uruguay. Yeah. There's also some Argentine um, interest, of course, in the managers of some other teams. Gerardo Martino is far from the only Argentine manager at this Copa America. In fact, I'm now going through all of the squads, and we have, well, the hosts are managed by an Argentine, of course, Jorge Sampaoli, who's been in charge for a decent amount of time now. Um, 
Bielcista to the Bielcista core. to the core. Cut him and he bleeds, and he bleeds loco. Potentially future River Plate manager, but that's for another day for us to discuss. In fact, I think we've mentioned it several times before. Um, and we give Chile a decent chance, right? They're a very good team. And apart from that, a lot of the players know each other. It's kind of this crop of players who have come up from Universidad de Chile. Uh, in a, for a great deal, you've got Enrique yeah. Zé, you've got... Uh, and far, Mena, um, Rojas. Far, far, far more players in their mid-20s, mm. which has now become my scientific test of how well gelled the team is, I've decided. Medell's only 27. Feels like he's been around forever. Mm. Well, they breed them young in South America. They do, they keep them going through. But I remember seeing him for, in 2009, 2010 playing for Boca. And, hey, at least chucked himself around the pitch like he was he yeah, was but they well balanced. I don't know if he's mature but you know <laughs> we'll see Bravo, Vidal, Valdivia Alexis they have yes yeah. nah it's gonna they're gonna be a good and they're, good, there's a, good they're opportunity to finally win the, the Copa America they have never won, won it mm. win it mm. won it sorry and uh, home after uh, 25 years yes because last one mm. and in Chile was 91 won by Argentina have yeah. the opportunity there and I'm guessing Sam's gonna gonna be keeping an eye out for Paraguay yeah. under the great Ramon Diaz well I don't know how you managed to guess that Dan whether it <laughs> might be because I brought that up on well, the screen Chile has criticised him very hardly yeah tell uh, us about that uh, saying that he ha- has doesn't work and they need another ki- another profile of, of, of coach mm. that likes to work and to know the players that, like Ramon Diaz uh, it helps. <laughs> it's, it's perhaps not the most surprising criticism to anybody who was paying attention to Ramon Diaz's last few club jobs, right? Yes. Um, the idea that he might not be putting his back into it 100%. Um, they're in a tough group, given that they weren't very good during the last qualifiers. Uh, Argentina and Uruguay, as well as Jamaica, of course. I mean, for Paraguay, it's going to be a case of trying to qualify as one of those best uh, place teams, right? Mm, of course. You would think. They're going to be harmed by the lack of inclusion of oh god I've forgotten <laughs> have they got a key player out or am I making this up I don't know <laughs> why, do you, why do you spring these things in us while we're recording it's we've got to be more organised uh, Lucas Barrios isn't there is he yeah he is number 8 really yep oh yeah oh because he's moved to Montpellier I was looking at the Dortmund badge there, you go. Um, there we are anyway moving on Jermaine what a German coach Ooh, that's interesting there we go Analysis. At least uh, it brings some English interest. There's quite a few English-based players there, as always. Of course they have, yeah. Let's talk about some of them. What do we know about them? Um, Michael Joby McEnough. He rings a bell. I've heard that name. I think he was in Wimbledon, maybe. Reading's oh, Michael Hector could be due for a first cap during the Copa America if he does indeed get on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about all we can tell you about him. Uh, Wes Morgan's had a decent season in Leicester City. Yeah, yeah. And the others are all from sides who, uh, with the exception of uh, Adrian Mariapos with Crystal Palace, the others are from um, teams who we can't, I'm afraid, pretend to have seen. Jermaine uh, Taylor rings the bell. I think he was in England, right? Possibly. Yeah. He's, He's got, got 80 caps, man. Yeah, why not? This looks fun. This is a tremendously dignified way yeah. of... Uh, I know. No, no, he's... He doesn't play for England. You must be thinking of someone else. But he's an MLS stalwart. Indeed. Um... There is another side with an Argentine manager about whom we can tell you rather more. In fact, there are two sides with Argentine managers in Brazil's group, Group C. Uh, Colombia, of course, who have got to be among the favourites for the Copa, you would think, uh, managed by Jose Peckerman. Um, what do we think of that side? Radamel Falcao, of course, is involved, and he, it is fair to say, 
has been rather better for Colombia recently than he was for Manchester United. Um, he just the other day became Colombia's all-time top scorer. Congratulations, Ready. God, I shouldn't have. Uh, he, he overtook somebody. Aspria. Oh, Aspria Rincon or some, yeah. something like that. Well, the forward lineup for for Colombia is pretty formidable. You've got James, Falcao, Carlos Baca, who, of course, is Sevilla's hero of the... Um, and Teo. And Teo. But yes. Jackson Martinez. And there you go. Yeah. So, it's a thing to watch as well, Colombia. They played, I mean, in the World Cup, they were fantastic. They just were very unlucky um, to come up against the host yes. Brazil in a game which, I think, if... It was a pretty lucky goal Brazil scored, right? The first one, or... Somewhat disputed. Uh, David Luiz, uh, goal, uh, magnificent. That's it, yeah. Free, free kick. kick. So if they hadn't uh, conceded earlier, it could have been a very different game there. And they could have gone, they could have gone far. Uh, Ronaldo Iguaran is the player that Ronaldo uh, Falcao Garcia has course. just overtaken um, into Colombia's all-time top scorer. Uh, it's not a lot, is it? 25 goals. 24. 24 for Iguaran, 25 for Falcao, sorry, yeah. Um, Aspria is second with 20, and Rincon is fourth with 17. Uh, sorry, Aspria is third with 20, and Rincon is fourth with 17. This will also be James's first Copa America, I believe, because in 2011 he was with the under 20s. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. If, uh, yeah. Kind of a very, uh, very controversial decision back then not to. Not to take this this wonderful little little kid. I think they had Hernando Rio Gomez as as a coach, a more conservative coach. It's impossible to find, and uh, James was left to to lead the under twenties to glory. Well, so Peckerman, it's fair to say, is is a rather less conservative coach. Indeed, should be, I would think, playing to Colombia's strengths. Was he already at Porto and that by that time? Uh, he was at Porto. Four yeah. years ago, yeah, he'd just gone to there. Porto from Banfield. Unfortunately. Um, there is no Germán Bedoya in the Colombia squad. There was not much reason to expect that he would be in the Colombia squad, uh, but I'm always disappointed when he isn't. Neither Bedoya is Colombia nor, nor Lugano to Uruguay. No, Bedoya is of course the um, the world record holder by an absolutely ridiculous Semino. margin for world, uh, for red cards. No, he's talking about Gerardo Bedoya. Yes, who used to play for Racing. He's like forty. Gerardo, sorry, yes, you're quite right. He's like, he's 40 oh, years no, old. No, as I said, there's no reason to oh, right. that he would have been in this one. <laughs> it's even still playing. I just always like to, to think that he might um, get called up. Yeah, he's, he's still Well, if you want to see him, go to El Cilindro on, on the 5th of July. He'll be playing for the 2001 Champions. And hopefully pick up a red card. I hope not. He's, I hope he, he doesn't he fuck will, up any of that. The current players. He will for sure show a, a, beer, a beer belly. Of course. I'd like to see the, the matchup between him and Centurion. That's going to be an interesting one, is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to fly through the um, The Peru team are also managed by an Argentine, and this is going to be Gareca. an interesting one to see, because Gareca. Ricardo Gareca, having perhaps not done quite as well as he hoped he would uh, in charge of Palmeiras, that's an understatement, I think. has been named as Peru manager. What do we expect from the former Vélez Southfield manager, given that he's taken over, I think it's fair to say, one of the worst teams in South America? Yeah, um, they're definitely one of the ten worst teams in South America. But definitely, I mean, we're talking maybe one of the <laughs> three worst teams in South America. If he can get them to the um, to the knockout stages, it's uh, it's a big achievement. Because mm. yeah. they did well in 2011. I don't know if you remember. Okay. They got to the semi-finals yeah, yeah. and finished third, I believe, uh, after beating beating Venezuela in the third place playoff. 
because I was there in La Plata. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, no, they got Guerrero up front. I don't know. It's they got uh, Pizarro. Is he still kicking them up? Yep. Farfan. It's not Vargas in Fiorentina. No, it's not an awful team. They got a few players there who can who can surprise you. A former River Plate midfielder, Josep Mir Bachon. Mm-hmm. Um, Lobaton, who, who was yes. very aggressive yeah, against crossing in the level. Wait, sorry, yes, we could. No, it's not an awful yes. team, but it's a uh, lightweight it's, team. It's not awful, but at the same time, they have a, several campaigns now of being yeah. one of the worst sides in South America in World Cup qualifying. Yeah. They were one of the major surprises in getting third place in the last Copa America, and they're not exactly young for the yes. most part. Nah. <laughs> better names than, than, than a real team, I think. Like Farfan is, yeah. of course, proved yeah. he has been good. Uh, playing in Europe and, and Germany, I think uh, uh, Schalke is quarter or Hamburg. Uh, yeah. yeah, Schalke. Schalke a lot of time. Then then Guerrero and, and Pizarro. Mm. But uh, I think that uh, they have all of uh, those those three strikers. And then what? Well, Pachin yeah. is good at Peru, but at a local stage. But then yes, uh, yeah. he a lot of Peru best players I can see from the list. Which yeah. Is yeah, we have got let's see Juan Aurich. have got one two. Uh, three, three Juan Aurich players, two from three from Universidad César Vallejo, a couple of Sporting Cristal players, uh, Universidad San Martín, one a Melgar player, Real Garcilaso. Alianza. Is there yeah. the? Is there must not be there in the list? But the Soto, the camel, Jose mm. Soto, historic uh, defender. No, no he's not he didn't get that. Which is probably just for the best. Well, Maybe for forty years old. <laughs> and Venezuela, one of the surprise packages of the well, there were several surprise packages of the last Copa America, but Venezuela, one of them, one of them, as we say, and mm-hmm. um, we're just kind of hoping that they'll be able to rediscover their feet. Yeah, we'll see what themselves up from from that disappointment at the last World Cup um, qualifying session. Yeah. Argentina's squad. We went through it briefly. I think after the thirteen. Oh no, we we mentioned it last yes. week, didn't we? After it was yeah. finalised. Uh, but Dan, you weren't there. What what were your thoughts on who might have been? Included or excluded from the squad? Are you happy with it overall? I think the twenty-three is pretty much the the toughest squad Argentina can put out. Uh, I was a bit disappointed with the with the shortlist with the thirty. I thought uh, maybe Cardi or Divala, Vieto, a couple of the young kids were worth um, worth bringing along at least for the experience if they weren't going to get in the twenty-three. But uh, it didn't happen. But the twenty-three it's a tough team, very tough. Um, I would have liked to see Rulli. There is a there is a keeper. I think that's probably the biggest omission for me. But no, it's a very strong squad, a balanced squad, which is good for Argentina. I think uh, the season Otamendi has had in in Spain with Valencia is very important because you can imagine him and, and Garay are going to be the the, cent, the centre back pairing with with any kind of real logic in this, which is good because I think what we saw in the, the World Cup was uh, Savela who obviously is not there anymore, trying to compensate for what he saw, what he must have felt was a fairly weak defence by really packing people behind the ball. Mm. So what we saw in the World Cup and what most people you know, who don't watch Argentina on every occasion saw was a team that we didn't see in qualifying. It was a very conservative team, a very safety first team and that was more than anything to kind of to nullify this risk of of what was a pretty, pretty shaky defence at the time. But if... Martino has, has faith in the guys at the back and I think it's going to be one of the first times Garay's going to play for him. Uh, hopefully that will mean 
these attacking guys who you know need no introduction can really kind of be set loose and, and do something do something fun. Yes, he has a, a taste for more creative players, like for example Pastore mm. and uh, Lamela, who, who we think I, or I think that he won't be starting perhaps the matches, but <coughs> a, a, a different taste than Sabella, mm-hmm. more calibrated team, and 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 Martino is more like. Well, Pastore was brilliant the other day. Mm. He was against Bolivia, of course. Yeah. And we have to say that. But very, it does, very good. He definitely has a taste for, for Rosario players as well. Yes. I think you can expect maybe five or six of the starting lineup to, to be from the, the flag city. Yes. The cradle of the flag. Yeah. Like Machirano, Messi, Di Maria, no, no, no. Garay. Guzman, Casco. Yeah. Guzman, Casco. Yeah. But Casco no from Rosario, but yeah, for that, yeah. That, yeah. Um, Lavesi, of course, who's from the Conovation, let's say, Rosario. We should mention Argentina's friendly the other day against Bolivia, but we'll only do so very briefly. It was astonishingly boring. They won 5 0. Sergio Aguero got a hat trick. Angel Di Maria scored two, two um, penalties. Decent performance, but against a really poor team. And Bolivia had at least two attempts, I thought, of actually trying to score own goals and failing to do so, which gives you an illustration <laughs> of how bad they were. Um, so, yeah, well yeah. done, Argentina. But it was a, a tra- training with, with crowd, uh, to say it in yeah. another way. Um, it, it was not the kind of level of mm. opponent that they will need to face. If it was sort of an after-party for the Champions League, right? Anyone who didn't quite yeah. get their fill of football after the Champions League could tune in if they wanted to Argentina. But to, but to, yeah. to mark differences between World Cup and, and, and Copa America, now Aguero is apparently on fire. I don't say it only because he scored three... Mm. Goals is Bolivia, but he was the goal scorer, maximum goal scorer of uh, Premier League. Mm. Then we have Tevez as oh, oh, another goal scorer uh, uh, from from Italy, mm-hmm. uh, being there with Icardi. Yeah. Uh, uh, who Icardi was the goal scorer, a maximum goal scorer along with Luca Toni, 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's not here in, in, the, in, the, in the in the squad. And, well, of course, Messi. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yes. Uh, Di Maria as well is going to be very interesting to watch yes. because obviously he went to the World Cup in 2014 after you know, his heroics for um, yeah. Real Madrid in, in the final of the Champions League. And you could see he was knackered. He was absolutely exhausted. But now, you know, it's pretty much the opposite. He's barely played since January, right? And yeah. United, he's come off the bench, so he shouldn't and be absolutely also, raring to go. And he's also maybe going to feel he's got something to prove. Um, after the season that he's yeah. just had for, for Manchester United and Martino uses him in, um, in a far more advanced position he plays sort of in the Neymar role for Barcelona let's say on the left there cutting in and yes. it's going to be interesting the to other day he changed shifted positions with with uh, Lavezzi mm. in, in the right Lavezzi uh, starting Lavezzi in the right and yeah. Maria in the left then changing yeah. so as far as that um, that forward trident goes do you think we'll, we'll see something similar to to the Barcelona style, you, uh, Messi will be out on the right, maybe with a weather in the middle and Di Maria on, on the left. That is that what we expect? What Martino is, is thinking, isn't it, that he, he's, he's said that he's got to choose between Aguero and Higuain and Tevez as the number nine. Yeah. Aguero um, and Tevez. Yeah. Tevez was. Because yeah. Higuain's far. And Tevez didn't play like that in, in Juventus, I mm. think. No? Not number nine, static number nine. Do we think Tevez is going to be in the starting lineup or is he going to be the first substitute? He'll be the first sub, at least for the start. And then see where he goes from there. Exactly. Let's go to listeners' questions straight away. Five minutes to kick off asks, why are Boca and River playing a club friendly on Tuesday, or did I read that wrong? Uh, I've already responded to him on Twitter to say that he's 
sort of read it wrong because it's been called off uh, or postponed, as we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. Um, but the reason that they're playing the friendly is basically money. Yes, they had a contract sign and they had to 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 uh, to play, but they will be uh, apparently played in October. Yeah, and as I said earlier, it's, uh, it sounds bizarre to listeners who haven't followed Argentine football until fairly recently, but they do actually play a lot of friendlies. Um, and, and, and which, is, for cash. which is truly bizarre and is proper of Argentina. I don't know if it's bizarre, but it's, it cheapens the rivalry and it's not something that, uh, that you would find, say, Barcelona or Real Madrid or, no. or you know, any of the, the big clubs in England doing. Um, Hugh Stanley has uh, sent us a few questions, which I shall be sending around the email group later on um, to help him with an essay. But uh, good luck with the essay here. I good luck. You're listening. Liam Kelly, who is no relation, says, Is Sam really a mufa or is it coincidence? I have to explain this one because yesterday I tweeted um, the, uh, exactly the same point that I made about Olimpo earlier on. That Olimpo seemed to always do very well in, indeed against Boca and River um, at home. And I tweeted it about a minute before Gonzalo Martinez equalised for River. Um, mm. And I seem to be developing a bit of a habit of saying that one team are playing quite poorly and then they score. Um, and it's Happens fairly, to the best of us. Fairly recently, actually. It's been River on more than one occasion. Um, must have been the River have played poor the last two games. The breaks come at a good time. Did they play that bad against Central? No, but they weren't particularly on top at the point where the goal went in. Central started off a lot better and then River opened the scoring just after I tweeted River struggling to click up front. And Uh, then uh, a flowing one-pass, one-touch move scored, resulting in a um, Gutierrez-Golasso happened about a minute after I tweeted it. Um, So it's a a talent that I'm going to have to learn to hone and then only use, you know, wisely. Uh, with great so you're not a Mufa, you're an, you're an anti-Mufa, really, Indeed. for real. Yeah. Uh, well, a Mufa for their opponents. Well, yeah. Well, uh, would, would have been good if, if you said, for example, you tweeted, oh, what a poor match by Martinez, specifically, right. and then one minute after. Yes. Or if you're saying Martinez is playing really well and then he breaks his leg, okay. let's say. Uh, Liam Kelly also says there have been some fine goals this weekend. Which one was the best? For me, it's Maxi Velasquez for the Nibs. I... Cannot pine on that because oh thank you bloody hell I've just managed to spill water all that way. Um, <laughs> due to a leaky mate. A leaky mate. Not, yeah. not me being clumsy. Uh, I, I can't give an opinion on this question because I've not seen most of the goals from the weekend on account of still not having internet yet. So gentlemen, I I think there we mentioned both of, of the goals for me that were better the best in the weekend, which was one of them a Bastia and the other mm-hmm. Aval, uh, Aval not Olmedo from Cruzeiro uh, Norte. Catarias's free kick as well was was not bad at all. Yeah, but it's ne- it was Ooh, near sorry. near the box, and both uh, matches, uh, both uh, goals that I mentioned mm. were quite uh, uh, after the, the the middle of the. Right. You, uh, in fact, uh, if you watch Bastia goal from behind the the from front of the goal, mm-hmm. you see him. The, you 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 see the center of the middle. Martinez. Mm. Uh, goal for the River, of course, was also mm, very yes. nice on the volley into the bottom corner. Also, Melito's finish for the for the last in Racing, yeah. and one more Niels Backhill, which was very nicely taken. Oh, and also Bocker's third, I think it was. One of them came from a really nice flowing counter attack. Oh. It was lovely. Um, Liam also says, I don't know what you guys think, but I can see Ecuador being potential dark horses for the Copa America. Yeah, they got a tough group, and they're playing most of the matches at sea level. And Ecuador away from Quito. Have not been so hot in recent years for me. No. Um, Sportvox says hello. 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 In which European players 
Uh, which which European players do the following most resemble? Bo, Manquesho and Serbi. Boom! It's a mix of Tevez, Ronaldo, Messi, Maradona, Pelé, uh, Di Stefano, Corvata. <laughs> yeah, he's you know every, he's got all the best qualities of all the best players in the world. And uh, mm, fuck, who would it be? Federico well, Manquesho. Mm. Any European player resembles him. Not especially creative, but bizarrely manages to get a few assists and score plenty from outside the box. Someone like Frank Lampard. Yeah, Frank Lampard, Gerard, I don't know. Who else? No, but uh, I see. I see Bob playing for a, a, a small team in, in Italy, playing for counter attack, and him going there and running. Yeah, because he has good, good physical form, good uh, running. Mm-hmm. And, and, and against a defender it could be if, if I might Bo actually on a slightly more serious note reminds me a little bit of Ezequiel Lavezzi when he was younger albeit yeah. Bo at the moment is a bit more confident with his finishing right um, but he's got that similar kind of as you say Andres hard running style he can play wide or he can play in the middle mm-hmm. um, perhaps not quite as good as Lavezzi was at his peak but um, similar no, kind but of player he's... to me it's very good. And Serbi, do we have any? Serbi, he's got some things of Dybala when when he was still yeah. at um, at Instituto, very young, before uh, he kind of got pushed further up the pitch. I I see him not, of course, saving the differences and the distances and that mm-hmm. like, and he plays in the, I think similar position like for example Kaká. Yeah, or Oscar when he was yes. when he was younger. Yeah. Yeah. And before Mourinho turned him into a defensive midfielder. Uh, Sammy Mustafa asks, will we see Carlos Tevez in a Boca Juniors shirt soon? And where will Dani Osvaldo be once his loan spell ends at Boca? Uh, I think you can rule out Tevez this year. Tevez is, yeah, as we said already, Te- Tevez I don't think is going to happen this year because he's still under contract with Juventus. But when that contract's up, I think he will be moving back to Boca next year. Um, and, he seems to want to let his contract yeah, and, and, Jelis is, things, so. and Jesus said uh, uh, in a TV show that he they will of course you can read this as a uh, some smoke for the for the for the supporters but he said he will they will try to give a, a, a like a proposal to his agent in case he wants to come back to Argentina mm. and of course he will have to resign a lot of money yeah. like Osvaldo did but it seems to be something that Tevez genuinely wants to do I mean obviously Carlos Tevez saying oh I really want to stay at the club yeah okay we've heard but this he will, the, the problem yeah. is that if he goes for Boca right now he will have to play for the local tournament and the Copa Argentina yeah. and ne- uh, eventually if the Arch- uh, well, Boca Boca so yes but if, if Boca reaches uh, Copa Libertadores which I think they will that will be next year, not this one. So mm. I think Tevez will be. Uh, it's more likely to come yeah. in yes. the middle of next year, particularly yeah. if they have uh, semi, if they reach the semis of the limit. Well, no, I guess because next year's Libertadores, there isn't going to be a break in it, is there? No, there's no World Cup and there's no Copa America. Oh, brilliant! We are no, no, there, there could be a Copa America. No, no, but until further notice, there definitely is. After so, all yeah. this, but after after all this FIFA scandal, the the well. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there might not be, but um, we haven't heard anything about it being called off yet. So, uh, and where will Danny Osvaldo be? It's up to Southampton, isn't it? I guess so. Um, up to him as well. Whoever yeah. will take him at this point. Yes, I would think so. It's, they're going to be. Whoever he does end up is going to be his twelfth club in ten and a half years. 
So that is some impressive going from Daniel Spelman. Um Manitaka asks, has the Argentina squad improved since the World Cup? And if so, in what areas? 14 yes. of last year's World Cup squad or in this year's Copa America squad? Yeah. With the only difference were two sub-keepers. Yeah. I mean, for Andres and I actually discussed this last week. And for us, I think we said that the, the main difference um, was that the midfield just looks maybe a little bit more balanced mm. going forward in terms of players who are going to be making those runs beyond Messi when opposing defences collapse onto Messi and open up space behind yeah. Javier Pastore, Eric Lamela, those kind of players who can actually make the runs in behind and exploit some of that space. And so I'm going to say, for me, it's a, a small but potentially very important improvement. Yeah, and in the defence as well. The defence yeah. should be stronger. Otamendi. Yes. That's true, yeah. Otamendi didn't go to the World Cup, right? No, no, he was no. injured, wasn't he? He was injured. Did he, yes. did he pick up an injury, right? Before? Yeah, I think he had a muscle tear or something like that. And of course, one of the other crucial things that, that the defence has improved in any way compared to this time last year before the World Cup started is it's a lot more confident now, and that counts for, for a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, before the World Cup, it was the major weak point, and at the World Cup, it turned out to be the strongest know, point, the, yeah. uh, not just the strongest point. A lot of that was down to Machirano. One of the strongest points for any team at the World Cup. Um, well, Machirano and Romero, and, yeah. but, but generally speaking, they seem to grow well together. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the answer is yes, basically. And, and in, in those areas, defence confidence-wise in the midfield just looks a bit more balanced. Um, and finally, Harry Laws asks, are there any lesser-known youngsters we should be looking out for? We think we mentioned a few. Um, Servi or Central. It depends. Less than I knew, you know. Obviously, it depends on your uh, knowledge of Argentinians. From the tweet that he's replying to, it appears to be that he's asking about at the Copa America in particular. Uh, in which case, I think that the sensible answer is probably going to be no, because it is a serious um, competition, and, and it's not you know a, a youth contest. It's one that sides are actually trying to win, and so most yeah. of the players are going to be already fairly well established. Well, you got this at guy for Brazil, Firmino. Mm. who's played in a few friendlies and, and looked very impressive um, who else you got mm, yeah there's not too many about so him for Argentina Argentina's youngest player looking down the list here is it's going to be Lamela isn't it yeah 23 and you already know about him indeed uh, Pastor is second youngest oh no Roberto Pereira is second youngest he's 24 mm. Blimey, I thought he was older yeah, he's getting I'd have guessed 27-ish Food <laughs> um, away yeah this guy mm, I want to say Arriescate, but it's not quite that. <laughs> the, the I mean, the yeah, I, I guess to European audiences, he'll be relatively, yeah. um, reasonably unknown. He is only 21. Yeah, there's a few there. Jonathan Rodriguez, I haven't seen much of him. Mm. Yeah, in Uruguay, it, they got the chance anyway without uh, Forlan and Suarez. Is a, there's the opportunity for a few oh. youngsters to come through. And also Jose Jimenez, of course, Jose he was Jimenez. very impressive for Atletico de Madrid in last year's European Cup. And Indeed he also, was. I think this year's, yeah. this year's was European Cup as well. Yeah. Uh, 20, he's only 20 now. That's mm-hmm. right, yeah, he made his debut for Atletico at the age of 18 or something, didn't he? I remember uh, Ralph telling me a lot about Derlis Gonzalez. This guy when he was in Paraguay. Paraguay have got... Oscar Romero, how, how, how old is he? Oscar Romero is 22. That's a guy, yeah. That's a guy to look out for. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be known outside of the, the continent. Is he in the squad? Yeah. Yes. Where is he? Oh, there he is. Number 17. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he's a, yeah, he's, a, he's a decent little player. Paraguay, I think, must have more players with 100-plus caps in the current Copa America squad than anything. They've got three. Gustavo <laughs> Vichar with 107. Mm-hmm. Roque Santa Cruz has got 104 caps. And Paolo da Silva has 100. We're talking about youngsters, not old players. 
No, no, on, I'm just, keep uh, on top. Uh, I'm <laughs> struck by the, the high but number. This is like uh, it's opposite opposite to the to the idea that Ramon Diaz hasn't a good relationship with old players or mm. players that have history and and, and that stuff because Wait. Pablo da Silva and Rogers da Cruz are are one are are, are a heavy players. They've been around, yes. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So there's a few players to look out for. Enrique is in Chile, of course. If he if he gets playing time, he's, he did really well in Croatia, I think, where he was on loan from Manchester United. Yeah. So yeah, there's a few players to watch out for. By comparison with that Paraguay stuff, by the way, which I realise have nothing at all to do with the question, Argentina have got one player with over 100 caps. That's Javier Mascherano, who currently has 111. Uh, of course, Lionel Messi will almost certainly hit the 100 cap mark. Um, in fact, if he plays all three group games, he will hit the hundred cap mark. In I think that's fair to say match, he will, <laughs> which is against Jamaica. Um, Argentina's Copa America begins on Saturday. The Copa America itself, of course, as I already said, begins on Thursday with Chile against Ecuador. Um, Mexico then play the other team in Group A, uh, Bolivia, on Friday, and then there are two matches on Saturday, including Argentina's first at six thirty Argentine time uh, against Paraguay. They play Uruguay on. Tuesday of next week and then they play Jamaica on will it be Friday? Yeah, it's Saturday. Saturday. Oh, it's next Saturday. At 6.30pm okay. local time. There you go. First two matches at uh, La Serena, La Portada Stadium and then uh, Viña del Mar yep. against right. Jamaica. Indeed. Yes, it is. Saturday. And Chile is on the same time zone as Argentina which is slightly weird yes. but yeah. quite useful. Given that Paraguay is now behind that means that Time in Chile is, is ahead, even though it's thirteen degrees. Chile, I think they change. <laughs> west. They change their times. Their time. I'm pretty summer. sure they were an hour behind when I first moved. No, no, but they are same. Which is strange to Venezuela. They have one, they are one hour and a half behind hmm? Argentina. Yeah, until yeah. There you go. Um, anything else? Is there anything we've missed in this Copa America I think preview? Well, that was fairly comprehensive. I hope it was. Yeah, it was certainly um, about as well informed as we could possibly have hoped to be, mm-hmm. given our vast knowledge of certain teams um, in the Copa. Luckily, no one asked about Jamaica, otherwise we were a little bit fucked. Indeed. What are we predicting for, let's say, certain key teams in this Copa? Let's go with, first of all, the holders. How do we think Uruguay are going to do? Uh, they'll make the quarters. Then we'll have to see... I think in the quarters they might be playing that's, that's uh, not a tough team. Sorry, but given that only four teams are going out of the group stage, you're basically saying the holders are going to get out of the group. I'm saying they'll make, <laughs> I'm saying they'll make the quarters and then go out. That's what I'm oh, you're saying they're going to go out in the quarters? Yeah, yeah, okay. I think that Uruguay will, will reach uh, quarterfinals even as, as the third, second, one of the two best thirds. Mm. So. The hosts, Chile. The hosts, Chile, should be aiming for the final, really. Okay. And lastly, then, how do we think, first of all, Brazil and secondly, Argentina? If they meet in the semi final, as, as you say, they might well do. They should both get to the semi final, at least. And I would give the edge to Argentina in that game. Okay. So you're saying Argentina finalists? Argentina finalists. And losing to Chile? Mm, home. If they get to the final against Chile, only a win is going to be good enough. They can't lose another final, really. No, indeed. This is the big chance for them to finally end that 22-year spell without a senior international trophy. Mm -hmm. And if they manage it, and quite possibly if they don't, Hand the Pod will be back after the tournament to review 
the Copa America. Um, we're not going to be recording episodes during the tournament because I want a break. Um, basically, and I'm sure. And that, that will be that will be one hour uh, only to mention how Argentina was in that matches. Yes, precisely. Yeah, and well, and obviously mop up anything that's happened off pitch during the Copa America with the domestic scene as well. Um, but for now, this is, I guess, where we normally would be have been reviewing the championship and then previewing the tournament but of course we're not reviewing the domestic championship now because it's only halfway through um, but it is the end of a semester for HOP so thank you very much listeners for supporting us for another six months yeah it's June isn't it yeah it's six months um, thank you very much indeed and uh, your, your support is, is much appreciated as is the support of the Argentina Independent um, providing quality English language coverage of news current affairs both of them because they're different and providing matter today and yes and, and uh, for giving down a few pesos for the sherba possibly really? if, yeah. I, if, I, if I can talk <laughs> to this, um, or not but anyway normally providing our fernet um, thank you very much to them you can read them for free of charge on argentinaindependent.com and you can follow them on twitter Argentina Indy. Um and for now enjoy the Copa America if you're watching it gentlemen enjoy it as well thank you and uh, it's goodbye from Andres goodbye and let's hope that next kind of poll will we will be making a toast for Argentina being champions of the mm-hmm. Copa America in Chile. Fingers crossed. Goodbye from English town. Goodbye and thank you for listening. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. <laughs>